Karen, you going to be okay? You got it? All right. We are retweeting Jesus all summer long from the book of James, passing on what James tells us about how Jesus taught him. So we're picking up on all kind of references to Jesus in the teaching of James, and we'll do that this morning as well. And we're passing on the wisdom in all the different kinds of ways that we communicate. This morning, the message is for everybody. Everybody's got a tongue. Everybody gets in trouble with their tongue. Everybody uses words and sometimes abuses words. So it's relevant for everybody in the room. James chapter 3 is where I am, starting with verse 1. And the scripture says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force to set on fire by a single spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You know how important language is. You use it all the time, every day, in all kinds of ways. In fact, we have seen the proliferation of communication, words surrounding us, swirling around us, burying us. In my lifetime, in my lifetime, I have seen words grow and grow into mountains. The Hebrew Bible, they say, was written with 6,000 different vocabulary words. The New Testament was written in Greek with 10,000 different words. 
Someone has counted the English language now with words at over a million. The specializations in science and technology have spawned different languages. And so when we talk to a lab tech or a doctor or an engineer, sometimes we start getting lost in the specialization of their language and we can't use their words and don't understand them. A million words in the English language. My daughter Rachel broke down on the side of I-59 at the 35-mile marker there near Hillsdale. If you've been up toward Hattiesburg, you know where I'm talking about. She had a flat tire, actually, while she was talking to me. She thought something was wrong, and then it started thumping and tearing up. And she said, Dad, I got to go. And in a minute, she calls back and said, we have a flat tire. She'd already called Tony, who was 1,000 miles away, her husband. He called a friend who was at her house, but her husband was not home. He was coming home from work. She called her husband on the road on I-59. And in two hours, a team of guys with air compressors in their truck and another fellow with a, a jack that was able to put up that SUV, they fixed her tire and sent her on her way. And it all happened because we communicate in amazing ways in this generation. Words are important. You live in a network of people, and it's all interconnected. Have you considered the amazing opportunity you have in this matter of controlling your tongue? It's amazing. It's wonderful. What could happen in your life, in your family, in your marriage, at work, in your friendship circle, if you personally could learn to control your tongue. James talks about it here as if the tongue has the power not only to prevent evil, not only to do good, but to literally set the course of your life. You need to think less passively about the words you are speaking. Consider the opportunity you have to change the direction of your life by changing your words. Hey, the rudder of a ship controls where it goes. The bit in the horse's mouth controls where it goes. And that little muscle in your mouth, your tongue, controls where you go more than you ever imagined. It's not just that you control the tongue. It's sometimes the tongue, the words, the emails, the things you put out there, they control you. They take on a life of their own. They direct the path of your life. You can literally change the atmosphere in which you live and the direction your life is going by changing this tongue and what it speaks. It is a unique instrument in your head. After all, there's nothing quite like the tongue. We can do sign language, but the tongue is able to communicate things that are abstract in wonderful ways, God's gifted us with communication. 
James mentions here about us made in the image of God, in the likeness of God, going all the way back to the creation when God made humans in this particular way able to communicate with one another, able to exchange ideas, able to pray and talk to God. It is a wonderful gift. It is a great opportunity to change your personal world to change your connected world, your networked world, by changing the way that you talk. You got to acknowledge the power of your tongue. You minimize it too often. You say too often it doesn't matter. We need to acknowledge that our tongue, our words, spoken and written, have real power and great power. Just like the tongue, the nose of a horse. A horse is a big animal, yes? When I was a boy, a rancher in the church threw us in amongst his boys training wild horses. This is a true story, all right? All my stories are true unless I tell you otherwise, all right? Willie Burris was my friend. He was 16 years old when I watched him do this with a horse that would not mind. It would not behave. Nobody would ever ridden it before. I saw him grab that horse around the neck, being slung this way and that. He crawled and grabbed until he got his teeth clenched on the ear of that wild horse. And then he hung his weight on the ear of that wild horse until he pulled that wild horse down all the way to the ground, prone, laying in the dirt with his ear. James says, you put a bit in the mouth of a wild horse, you can turn it any way you want to. You control them with the tongue. So you need to acknowledge the power of your words realize them now they have power to inflict real pain they have power to do real damage the little proverb that we say sometimes sometimes it's useful to us but we need to remember it's not really true sticks and stones may break my bones but words can never hurt me it's not really true everybody in the room knows how powerful words are to hurt to harm to destroy they can be very destructive and very harmful and hurtful the power of your words the head of Marriott Corporation is published this week saying that they are configuring all of their new hotels in a different way thousands of hotels all around the world for the Millennials for the young adults who now populate the planet the young adults don't need a desk in their room, he says. They don't need big, spacious rooms. They need big lobbies. They need spaces where they can take their computers and take their cell phones and interact and connect to their network and their world. And they are changing the way Marriott hotels do business and build their hotels around the world because of the power of communication. And he says in this article, he says, if you don't recognize the power of communication and networking, you're at a loss in any human enterprise in this generation. The fellow who established LinkedIn 
talks about networking in a published article this week and talks about how the interconnectedness of human beings is the key to successful business in the world today. What an opportunity for people who know how to use words rightly and well. It is an opportunity. It is a powerful time for the one who can control his tongue and his email. And it is a dangerous time if you can't. Amen? Have you ever wished you could call that email back? Man, I wish I could get that text back. I realize I'm using email almost like text now. Do you do that? Now, maybe some of you don't even use email. I know it may be a little passe for some of you, but emails are just about as instant as text anymore. And it's not really a letter that you write. It's just maybe one, one tiny word. The power of the connectedness of human beings. If you can control your words, you have a place in this generation that is important and powerful. It is a place of influence. I imagine that all of you in your place of work must communicate. There are things you have to communicate. You have to be able to communicate if you're going to do your job well. I imagine that many of you are checked on your communication, that you communicate both verbally and in print in text and in email and it's an important dimension of your work when pastor james writes this letter he is encouraging his flock in jerusalem to be careful with their words because they have power and we might as well all admit that our tongue has two faces we're two-faced when it comes to our words. Might as well admit it. James says it here. We all stumble in many ways. Brothers and sisters, we all stumble in many ways. No matter your good intentions about your words, there were probably words this week that you wished you could recall but you can't we all stumble in many ways I imagine Pastor James was aware of some families in his church in Jerusalem who came on the first day of the week to the house of worship wherever it was and they sang the praises and they said the prayers and they heard the text and they gave God praise in the house of worship. And then on Monday, they cursed the people they were supposed to love. I imagine that he is writing from personal experience about the tongue. He is saying to his congregation, I have observed this among people who worship here in our church in Jerusalem. They praise God on Sunday, and then they are profane and obscene on Monday. And they use language that's abusive to the people they're supposed to love. He says, brothers and sisters, this ought not to be. This ought not to be. 
And I would say to you, brothers and sisters, this ought not to be. We say here that we worship with our lives. It's one of the five competencies we are seeking to develop under the lordship of Jesus Christ, that we worship with our lives and that our collective gathering here today, singing the songs, offering the prayers, hearing the word, that this is a direction for our lives. This is a, an, a lifestyle. We want to do this 24-7 to honor God and give him glory and worship him with everything we do and everything we say so that when we leave this place and go out these doors and we're at the house and we're in front of the television and we're with our family or we're with our spouse, we are not guilty of cursing those we say we love. We're not guilty of being abusive to those that God has entrusted to our care at work. We are seeking to be thoroughly consistent. If you could manage to get a hold of that tongue, to get a hold of those words, you could control your whole body. I'm talking now about something that is so difficult, and you know it. And some of you have given up on the idea that you're going to be able to get a hold of your speech, and you just let it rip and let it go all the time. And you just suppose that's you, and people have to accept you for who you are. And sometimes it's vulgarity, and sometimes it's profanity, and sometimes you know you wound people with your words, and you just keep doing it. And what I'm saying to you today is, are you a follower of Jesus? Do you call him Lord? Then get your tongue under control. This ought not to be. Let's stop this. It's undermining the preaching of the gospel and the word of testimony we are seeking to sow in our community. We ought not to identify with Jesus and then look like the devil when we show up at work. Our words of praise ought not to be contradicted in the, in the ears of our children by what we say in the living room. Listen, it's, it's important. It's so powerful if we will do this. I know the anger boils up inside and you want to lash out. I know that happens. I know how that feels. Sometimes I do that and I say, God, please forgive me. I shot off an email this week and I wanted to recall it. But I didn't give myself time to think about it. And i got to introduce that discipline into my responses in a fuller way, in a more complete way. I need to be careful. I don't want to be two-faced when I'm seeking to represent God in this community. And I remember when God said to my heart, it's time for you to talk. I remember that. It was about 10 years ago, and I realized it's my time to talk. God's been working on me for all these years and now he wants me to say what I'm thinking about some things that maybe I didn't comment on before. And when I do that, I take a risk and sometimes I make you angry. <laughs> maybe at me because I've spoken on something that I see as an issue of love and a an issue of, of humanitarian need and compassion. And it's risky business to be a person of words who writes and speaks. It's risky business, and you have risky business at your work as you communicate to people and 
You talk to those who work with you and around you. And here is a power that God has committed to your care. Can you be consistently a follower of Jesus with your words to your wife? Could you premierly, most fully and completely practice this control of the tongue with that spouse you are called to love? Will you do this first in your marriage, first at home? Will you do this first with your children whose faith is undermined sometimes by what they hear mom or dad say my own grandson got sad in the car because I'd had an exchange with my sweet Janet and I said what's wrong with you Brady he said I don't like you being mean to my Nina my first thought was, well, wait a minute. She was as mean to me as I was to her. <laughs> yeah, but Nina's got a place in his heart, you know. <laughs> Those little ears, they listen all the time. And I had to stop and say, Janet, I'm sorry. A little child shall lead them. Control of your words. You haven't yet realized how important it is for you to get a hold of these words. You live in a world that's full of profanity and obscenity. You hear it all the time in the things that surround you. You see it all the time. And sometimes it washes into your soul and you think the whole world is salt water that's what you think you think there's not any real fresh water in this world it's all salt water just like his illustration here you think there's no real fresh spring in the world the world is full of salt water did you hear about the two fellows that were in a boat and they'd been adrift for days and they were dying of thirst They're in the Pacific, in the Atlantic Ocean, rather. And they came upon a freighter. And the guys looked down and realized that these guys were in trouble. And one of them said, hey, just drink the water. Floating in the Atlantic Ocean, and <laughs> you want me to drink the water? And one of them reached down and got the water and sipped it. And it was fresh. Because a third of all the fresh water in this world is in the Amazon River. At 20 miles wide, it travels for over 1,000 miles. And when it hits the Atlantic Ocean, it is 300 miles wide in its delta. And the fresh water comes with such force into the Atlantic that it forces out the salt water and it actually becomes fresh, they say, sometimes for a hundred miles from shore. I guarantee you, there's fresh water 
where you're floating. It's not all salt water. It's not all obscenity and profanity and disbelief and abuse. Don't you think it and don't you say it. Don't be pessimistic about the world of words. In fact, take on the responsibility of being true to the commitment you've made to Christ and representing him well with everything you say, everything you speak, everything you write, so that he receives glory because your life is consistent. It's time to bite your tongue. I don't like to bite my tongue. I do it sometimes accidentally, and it hurts. All right? Elena, the seven-year-old, is just chattering along in the back seat. She's as happy as she can be. The girls are all happy as they can be. She's just going along and along, and all of a sudden she whimpers. I'm driving. I turn around and say, Elena, what happened? I bit my tongue. She felt for blood. There was none. I mean, it just happens. All of a sudden you bite your tongue. Somebody came up with this little metaphor. When you're about to explode, bite your tongue. When you're about to unleash that torrent of anger on the person you say you love, bite your tongue. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody you know was justified in just letting someone have it with his tongue and he restrained himself? And you watched a person who had every justification for letting it go you watched him hold it back. You know what a powerful witness it is for you to stop the insult and injury that wants to come out of your mouth? When people are watching, when the children are watching, when they know what's happened, when something has happened to you and you've been unjustly wounded, do you know the power of biting your tongue and holding your speech when you could let it out. It is memorable. It is awesome. It may be the moment when God can use you most to let people know what it means to have Jesus reigning in your heart. When you restrain yourself, when you have justification for no restraint. God will use the witness of your control of words to make an impact on the people who matter most to you. And the devil will use your lack of control to undermine every good thing you try to do with the people who matter most to you. So bring it under control and know that God will honor it and know that you will sow seeds of wonderful obedience to the Savior and marvelous spiritual power in the little ears that listen to you as you restrain your speech. Take out the obscenity and profanity and abuse and make it fresh water like it needs to be. If you're a salt water spring, all the time, every day, then something spiritually is wrong inside of you. We all stumble. We all fall. We don't all measure up in many ways. 
but we have a lifestyle as followers of Jesus that seeks to bless and not curse. If that lifestyle is not part of who we are, then maybe we're not a fig tree. Maybe we're a grapevine. James is saying at the end of this passage that the words we speak are indications of the deep recesses of our heart, who we really are. Everybody acts hypocritically and speaks hypocritically sometimes. We're all in some measure two-faced, and we know it. We all stumble in many ways. But when is it that you're the hypocrite? When you're in church singing the song? Or when you're at work letting loose the verbiage? Who is the real you? Is it fresh water in your soul or salt water? I think Pastor James wants us to look inside and ask the question, is the obscenity and profanity and abuse that comes out of my mouth an indication of what's really in here? Is it just bubbling up from a rotten swamp of anger and malice and discontent inside of me? Do I need a different heart? Without a different heart, your speech will never change. Jesus came to do the transformation on the inside that no human being can. God says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll change that heart you've got. Jesus alone is able to reach that inner you, change you from the inside out, change not only your speech, but who you are. I urge you, trust him with all your heart today. Discover who he really is. Decide that you will follow him as Lord and defend his lordship in your life with every word you speak and every deed you do. Bow with me, please. Maybe you have a very personal matter to settle with God about the words that tumble out of your mouth. Would you do that right now? Maybe you need to admit to God that you've been two-faced in how you talk. And God's calling you to clean it up and change the vocabulary you use and the way you're using words to conform to His Lordship in your life. Maybe God is speaking to you about how you communicate with the ones you say you love in your very home, the words you use, the things you say. Maybe this problem of words stems from a heart that needs healed through the power of the Lord Jesus. He is present to heal the inner you you turn to him in confession and repentance trusting him asking him to forgive you of your sin committing your life unto him Lord Jesus I pray today that you would have your way in every heart God help us be open to what you want to do in us
In Jesus' name we ask, amen.